Yo, what's going on, y'all? This is Udon Cheek, assistant track and field coach at East Carolina University. You are plugged into the Sports Objective Podcast. If you are a fan, you are plugged into the right place. And if you're really a fan, you will share that link. My heart is purple and gold. I'm a pirate down to my soul. And I don't back down, not at all. Find out when the cannons explode. Boom! You're listening to 50 Pirates in 50 Days on the Sports Objective Podcast. Between now and the Pirates' scheduled season opener on August 29th against Marshall, we will take a daily trip down memory lane as we will talk to former East Carolina football players about their path to ECU, their time in the purple and gold, and what they're up to now. Now let's talk Pirate football. Welcome into the Sports Objective as we have our 50 Pirates and 50 Days Bubble. We're so excited about this. Uh, you did uh, your brainchild from last year. We're continuing this year. It was such a big success, and you've outdone yourself once once again. Another great guest, another great pirate. Yeah, Dave, here a few days ago, we caught up with a uh, pirate running back from the mid to late 80s, Reggie McKinney. Right now, we're very excited, as you see there on the bottom of your screen, to have with us one of his teammates, uh, former pirate tailback, Willie Lewis. Willie, welcome in. Bubba, and it's good to see you guys. Good to have you on. Uh, very excited as we're having here. I uh, would say 50 Pirates in 50 Days. Uh, wanted to talk to you about. I don't know what that is in the background there, but uh, I'm off phone. Yeah, but um, anyway, so happy to have you on. We wanted to talk to you. Obviously, you were uh, special to me because um, you were in that Art Baker era. Well, I was just telling you. Right before our pre-show meeting, uh, we talked, Willie and I were talking and, uh, I became a fan in 1986. Everybody that watches the podcast or listens know that, but, um, I'm not like Bubba. Uh, I moved to the area late and, uh, so I became a, he, he was born a pirate. I became a pirate at age of, uh, tender age of 13. But Kyle, I think, uh, our co-host, he's actually, he actually is working right now. He also became a pirate about that age. But anyway, a uh, very special time always will be one of my favorite times of in pirate football history uh, when you become a pirate fan and the excitement of the the crowd the the stadium the talent that was on the field and i i feel like you guys had a lot more talent than the wins the scoreboard showed another thing that i always tell people about the art baker era as you and i were talking about it's great to go against that comp- level of competition but at the same time, you guys had a, a unbelievable schedule that most coaches today would be up all night worried to death about playing the likes of Penn State, Miami, Florida, all those schools back in the day. Yeah, I, I think at one time we had played against the top five teams in the country with um, Florida State, Miami, Penn State. I mean, the level of competition was uh, it was fantastic. So it was good to be a pirate back then because you played against the best. That's right. The slogan, Bubba, do you remember that bumper sticker? We're going after the best. Yeah, I sure do. <laughs> I remember that. And, uh, Willie, kind of starting off with your recruitment, I know you were there in 85 and red shirted. And, uh, obviously 84 was, was Coach Ed Emery's final season. He was there 80 to 84. So yeah. did, your, did your recruitment begin under Coach Emery's staff and then transfer over to, uh, Coach Baker, who had been the offensive coordinator under Coach Emery? Well, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't even get a call from East Carolina till late in the recruiting stage. I was visiting Florida State, Georgia, Tennessee. Um, it, it just so happens that Florida State was going to be my choice. And at that time, Coach Art Baker was the offensive coordinator for Florida State. 
So he was recruiting me there. And um, when he got the head coaching job at East Carolina, that's when he called me up and said, hey, um, we got Sammy Smith coming to the Florida State. I know you're planning on coming to Florida State. Tell you what, come to East Carolina and you can play against Sammy Smith. You can play against Miami. You can play against all those guys. And um, so I went up for a recruiting visit. And at that time, um, guys like Larry Berry, um, Vincent Smith, Ron Gillier, those guys, uh, they were at East Carolina at the time. And, man, I fell in love with the place. They brought me there, you know, took care of me, took me out. And East Carolina was number one right after that. Willie, I tell you, one of the things I love about Pirate Nation is uh, the food. Have you experienced the tailgating since you – you obviously have uh, since the playing days. What about Pirate Nation, the Pirate fans? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a group of us guys get back there at least once a year, um, homecoming or a letters game, and we have a great big tailgate, tailgate out there, man. I tell you, it's probably 20 or 30 of us uh, former players get out there every single year. And uh, tailgating is fantastic, especially when you're around uh, a lot of your brothers that you play with. And just getting a chance to catch up, eat some good food, and uh, watch some good football. Let's talk about uh, certainly with the time that you were there, it was obviously it rolled over to me with having just the two sides, 35,000. What's it like now for you? Um, somebody that paid your dues, you worked really hard, the blood, the sweat, the tears. You must be, feel really proud knowing that the stadium has now over 51,000 people. Yeah, I tell you what, that's fantastic. I came, I came from a place in um, South Georgia, Valdosta, where on Friday nights, our stadium was filled every single night. At that time, it was 13,000, 15,000, which was huge for a high school game yeah. and going to East Carolina. Uh, with 30,000, you know, I was used to that type of crowd. But now to see the stadium up to 50,000, I mean, uh, that's fantastic. The, the blood, sweat, and tears that was put in is really paying off right now. It really is. When you look at the with the advancements, I want to get your thoughts, too. We'll come back to your career in a second. Uh, let's talk about the current situation with Coach Mike Houston. Being a yeah. former player, always we like to ask that question. What are your thoughts about – Coach Houston, his staff, uh, the the recruiting has been unbelievable under this coaching staff. Yeah, it really has. I kind of followed, um, didn't know much about Mike until he got a head coaching job. So I went back and did some research, and um, he's done well where he's been. And I'm looking forward to what he has to bring here at East Carolina. Um, the recruiting has been fantastic. We've got a couple of guys from South Georgia, um, also in Florida. Um, I would love to get more guys out of North Carolina. Um, there's a lot of talent there in North Carolina, but I really think if we get a chance to play, uh, Mike's going to have a very good product out there on the field. Like you said, as far as some of those ties to the state of Georgia, obviously Steve Shankweiler, who was ironically the, or coincidentally the offensive line coach back during, uh, back during the Art Baker era, and then he was retained by Bill Lewis. Uh, so yep. you're familiar with Coach Shank. He has strong ties in that Georgia area and down that way uh, from coaching at numerous institutions throughout the Southeast. And then you also have new defensive coordinator Blake Harrell, who spent last season uh, at Kennesaw State. Uh, he has strong ties in that area. And I know uh, a state over, um, one of those border states, uh, we've offered at least four, maybe five offensive linemen from the state of Alabama. Right, right. That's big. When you talk about Coach Shank, Wilder. How old is that guy? 
That guy's been in the Late 60s, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he yeah. actually, he has, my understanding, he has, isn't this, uh, guys, I believe, if I'm not, well, let's see, 19, I think he started coaching, if my memory serves me right, 1976, Bubba? I don't recall exactly what year he started, but yeah, it had to be some, something like that, because I know he's 40 plus. Uh, him and him, Donnie Kirkpatrick, and uh, when we had some real veterans on this staff, um, excellent guys for Coach Houston to lean on and, and trust. But as far as Coach Shank, he's in his he, fourth four stint at East Carolina now and fifth head coach. Because obviously we've already mentioned Baker and Lewis, and then he came back in 98. Fifth coach. He actually uh, – And then Holtz for that entire tenure. And now, obviously, Mike Houston. So, Yeah, he was a big part of my career at East Carolina. He was the offensive line coach. I mean, and, and being a running back without a really good offensive line coach, you know – you're you're on your own, but Coach Shank was a great coach when I was there, and um, it's it's really good to see him back there at East Carolina. Hey Willie, by the way, I just realized that Coach Shank has been coaching longer than Bubba's been alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, as far as your going back to your career, uh, what was it like? Uh, I know you, I get, you guys were coming out, I guess, uh, Skills Fieldhouse back at that time. What was it like uh, pregame? Can you talk about the Pre-game, some pre-game rituals or some maybe some coaches, uh, like one of coaches' um, speeches, halftime or pre-game um, that really fired you guys up. Are there any special locker moments you can talk about? Yeah, you know, you mentioned the Scales Fieldhouse. I mean, that, that place is still there. Um, that's special to us guys, especially in the um, mid-'80s, uh, late-'80s going back. Um, that was the place for us. Um, it was top-notch to us then. Um, what the guys have now is unbelievable. That's fantastic. But uh, coming out of scales was great. Um, Coach Art Baker uh, was a motivational speaker when um, when I got East Carolina. And Coach Baker was a um, uh, a Christian man who never heard a, heard a cuss word, um, wow. but he had a way of getting his point across um, without all the um, you know, vulgar language or anything. So Coach Baker was a big uh, mentor for me on how to motivate people, how to be a leader, and and still live by your morals as well. And that would play a big, we'll talk about that at the end of the interview, but that plays, I'm sure, a huge part in what you're doing today um, after football. We'll talk about that in just a little bit, Bubba, but I know we want to stay on his career right now to honor a great pirate. Yeah, and um... – Take us back to 1985 when you were coming into the program. I know you redshirted. Uh, did, did you get to travel at all? Because um, I know we went to Penn State that year and some other tremendous venues. But I tell you, um, coming in at 85, Art Baker, when he recruited me, he came out of Florida State. It was a eye tailback situation where the tailback was the feature focal point of the uh, team. So that really had my attention. So coming in at 85, um, I was looking forward to that, but I pulled a hamstring um, before the beginning of the season. Um, at that time, you mentioned Reggie McKinney. Uh, we had Tony Baker. We had Bobby Clare. So we had three really good top-notch running backs. So it, it really didn't make any sense for me to get on the field um, if I didn't have to. But what that did, um, being redshirted, it gave me an opportunity to actually play some of the um, portray some of the best running backs in the league. 
I mean, at one one time, I was Bo Jackson on the practice field getting the defense ready for Bo Jackson. I mean, so things like that was fantastic. So I look forward to that. And that got me ready for the next year when it was my time to come in there and play. Not only the uh, the traditional red shirt, but, uh, Willie, I'm very happy with uh, now the finally one of the things I've always wanted uh, for guys that are not quite ready academically. Bubba, I know that we had – a guy that's doing very well this year, somebody to watch out for, Willie, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, a guy this year, if we can ever play the season, is Travion Freshwater, a four-star athlete that we're very blessed to have out of northeastern Elizabeth City area, um, the northeastern part of the state, and to have him come to East Carolina is huge. And his academics were not great. Um, not He was not ready for prime time academically. And they have now the rule, as you probably know, the NCAA with the, I think the academic red shirt is a great idea and should have been done a long time ago. Some of us were not ready, including myself. We were not ready to make that transition from high school to the expectations of just a normal student like myself and to have that extra year to work on your academics and still be a part of the team, I think is, is outstanding for college football. I agree with that. Um, back in my day to have the, Proposition 48, I don't know if you guys remember that, but uh, that helped a lot of um, really good athletes have um, some uh, Division One college football after a year or two. So we, we had a couple of guys on um, East Carolina with Proposition 48, and they gave those guys time to mature and to um, get the academics in line as well as to develop and be very good football players. So it's good to see that. So, Willie, when you were coming into the program, obviously we ran an option offense, and so that's one of the things that we were talking about with Reggie McKinney. Even though we had some tremendous running backs, um, it was a running back by committee approach, so you didn't have those 1,000-yard rushers uh, like the Pirates would later on in the 90s with Junior Smith and and uh, Scott Harley, et cetera. So uh, just talk about that approach offensively and what it was like playing in that option offense of Coach Baker. Yeah, i tell you what. We had Travis Hunter as a quarterback. He was an option quarterback as well. So um, they recruited the right players for that offense. And um, it, w- it was great. Um, we had Anthony Simpson as a fullback and Tim James as a fullback. So we had that fullback trap with the option. So we, we put a lot of experienced defense on their toes. So um, that really was a good focal point for a running back. And then you had Gilbride come in. Um, he brought in the run and shoot. Um, at that time, it took us a little, uh, a year or two to really get to, to know that system because you're more of a passing game. That kind of took the running backs out of uh, getting the balls in their hands 20, 30 times a game. So the ball was going into the air a lot. So I think East Carolina really took a step back until we were able to figure out what we were doing because we had an option quarterback in Travis Hunter. We had um, uh, tailbacks in myself and Reggie McKinney, and we had big tight ends. We had um, Ben Billings, um, who really didn't fit well in that run and shoot, but as far as a uh, tight end, one of the best in the league. So until we got back until the late 80s running a more traditional offense, a two-back offense, that's when things started turning around. If you look at the um, 87 season, 88, then 89, and then on up, 
East Carolina really started coming on the map. It really did. And that paved the way for what I know, uh, Bubba, we talk about the foundation season of 1990, the year after that you left um, near misses. I know in Athens, there's different games like that that were fantastic. We've had former players talk about uh, that Art Baker era. That that was the era that, you know, I think people, like I said, it sounds like I make excuses. I'm not. I think that there were so many um, games um, that could have gone y'all's way that well, didn't. And all people remember, unfortunately, is the L. You have to win the game, but um, it was it wasn't like you're. In other words, you're getting blown out every single game. Yeah, those. Um, I think it was Miami that came in. They were the top one or two in the nation, I believe. I think we were up fifteen, fourteen in the fourth quarter. They ended up winning that game, but they knew we were there. We really put it to them. Talk about that very thing. I talk about former players with, uh, so that if there are any are, if there are any current players right now, um, the, that very fact, that's what's been missing for me is, uh, I know that coach Houston is old school like us, Willie, and he's, uh, the same, uh, same, close in age, uh, to both of us. Um, talk about that very thing of physicality and the very fact that we want pirate nation. We want the players to know that when you put on that uniform, that those other the other teams that we're going to give them every single every single down you're going to have to play against us. We're not going to roll over and just die for anyone. Absolutely. One of the good things that I really liked about East Carolina, coming from Valdosta, where we were built on strength. Um, when you came on the field, the other team knew they had to watch out for you. But we had a strength coach, Mike Gentry, back in my day that really put us in the weight room and got us ready for the Florida States, the Miamis, the Auburns, the LSUs, because you had to be ready to play those guys because they're coming with it. And um, the the weight training that we received had us prepared for that smash mouth type of football. And that's what you started to see from that mid-80s on up until through the 2000s. Uh, the Pirates were ready to play. When they stepped on that field, the, opponent, the opponents knew they were ready to play. And that's why we see some of the North Carolina schools may not want to play us right now because uh, <laughs> it, it could be a, a L for because uh, we're coming in there. We're coming to bring it. No doubt. And uh, by the way, Bubba, before we get uh, more of your career, let's can we go back to the future and talk about Willie was talking to me about his high school career. Can we talk about your your high school days and then we'll come back to I, I failed to mention that early on in the interview. And you were telling me that amazing feat you guys uh, from your high school days, uh, one of the best high school programs still in the nation, right? Absolutely. Um, Valdosta High School and Valdosta, Georgia is the winningest high school in the nation currently. Um, you know, coming through that program had you ready to play college football. Um, I lost one game in high school. Um, that was my junior year in the playoffs with the trick play. Other than that, we were undefeated, number two in the nation my sophomore year, number one in the nation my senior year. Um, just just that program and our head coach, Nick Hyder at the time, um, really had us ready to play. Um, actually, I'm um, in the Hall of Fame, but also Hall of Fame. So being part of that is a big deal for me. Uh, because there have been so many great athletes come out of that program. It's unbelievable. But um, if you ever get a chance to go down to South Georgia, Valdosta, 
on a Friday night. The stadium's always filled, and um, those guys, the Wildcats, out there ready to play. Yeah, Willie, you're talking about that. Before we get back to your career uh, here a few weeks ago, the Pirates got a commitment out of Valdosta. And when, when we were speaking with a, a beat writer that covers um, Valdosta High yeah. as well as Valdosta State, and we were talking about the tremendous success that that Valdosta State program has had over the years, uh, going back to, you know, how Mummy and uh, and Mike Leach's offensive coordinator and, and so on. Right, right. Um, and that also, I don't know if you guys know it, but we're Title Town USA. So what that means is we beat out cities like New York, LA, Boston as the most wins out of in, any state, any city in the country. So Valdosta is Title Town USA. And along with Valdosta, Lowndes High School and Valdosta State, we put a lot of winning teams out on the field. And to have a commitment uh, from right off to the East Carolina, I tell you what, that's good to see. That's the thing. I'm sorry, but I was just going to say really quick, that's the thing, uh, Willie, is the very fact that when you look at Coach Houston, he has uh, pretty much Virginia on the map. He, I mean, as far as on the recruiting board, if you look at Virginia, well connected there. He's obviously from the mountains of North Carolina. Uh, coach that um, obviously on North Rhine, so he has uh, great connections there. He was a coach at Citadel, great connections there. And when you, we're getting some commitments now from, I, I can't remember the last time, Bubba, maybe you can help me, but we're even getting commitments from Alabama. I think some offensive line, or we've had offers, right, to Alabama, some guys on the offensive line in Alabama. I've never, I can't remember, um, it's been a while if it has since we've been uh, at least making uh, an attempt at getting some great players that maybe, um, Maybe we don't get the five-star guys, but that's not what East Carolina is about anyway. We're blue-collar, hard-working guys, take showers after work. That's who we are. And, uh, and they, I guess after the game too, right? So, um, yeah, but sure. I'm proud. I'm proud of the recruiting. I, this is, um, this has been the best recruiting and I love Logan and I love obviously Holtz. And of course I love Ruff, but this might be the best recruiting I've seen in my, my entire 30 some years of, um, being a pirate fan. I agree, and, and that's where it starts. Um, you're not going to know exactly how that guy's going to perform on the field. Um, you have the state, the, the tapes. Um, that tells you how, how old I am. Uh, we looked at hey, tapes. I'm, I'm right there. I feel we looked at tapes back in my day. But now you have the social media where you can go online and take a look at the guys. But um, you mentioned you don't have to have the five-star recruits. You have to have somebody with heart. If these guys have heart and they want to get on the field, they love the game, that's what you need. And um, that's what the Pirates are getting now. I think it's really going to turn that program around. Let's talk about your work ethic, Willie. I know that's a big part of you now. and I can tell just talking to you that you're a hard worker. Talk about that when you were playing your playing days at East Carolina. How hard did you guys work in the offseason and during practice? Can you talk, give a little behind the scenes in the Art Baker era? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know if every school does this, but at the end of the season, um, right around um, February, getting ready for spring ball, we have what you call early morning workouts. We had to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. And you guys know from North Carolina, it's cold at 5 o'clock in the morning. And mm-hmm. at that time, our weight room was not right there on campus. We had to walk down to our weight room, which was probably about a half a mile. 
And uh, we did that every single morning, getting ready for the upcoming season. So we worked out in the mornings, we trained in the afternoons. I mean, and it was just hard work. It was dedication. If you did not want to be a, a pirate, um, you didn't go through that type of thing. So it was definitely hard work. Was that the old tobacco warehouse, Willie? <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah. Yes, it was. I remember yep. that. It used to be, now it's a, it used to be, uh, they tore it down, they made it a Rite Aid, and now it's a Dollar General there. The corner, for those people that are in Greenville now, it's actually the corner of uh, Charles and 14th Street. That's and uh, so that's what he's talking about from the dorms there on college. You were talking about from College Hill walking down to that um, that old tobacco warehouse, right? Yeah, about 5, 5.30 in the morning going to the weight room. Right. Yeah. And, you, of course, you had a lot of air conditioning, right? <laughs> well, you know, we had no AC when I first got there in Belt Dorm. Yeah. And then uh, we moved over to Scott. We got an upgrade. We had AC, right. man. Hey, we were, we were living good then. We got AC. I remember going to Charlie Harrison's, uh, his basketball camp and I had to take a, a box fan because there was no AC there on College Hill. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> it was, it was uh, obviously like in the summertime in June, July. It was really, really hot. And, uh, the great thing about, the great thing about having basketball camp, at least you didn't have to be in that hot room the whole day. So yeah, that's true. Those were the good old days. That's right. Hey, Willie, uh, Dave kind of referenced it earlier, that 1990 season, the year after you had departed the program on the near misses we had against the likes of Georgia and some others. Uh, in 89, your senior year, we had a couple of heartbreaking losses on the road against ranked teams. Uh, I want to say it was something like 18, 18 to 16 up at Syracuse and where they kicked the last second field goal to beat us. And then also um, a game that my family and I were at. I remember it. Uh, I was just, I guess, eight years old. But up at Old Pitt Stadium, we had jumped out on those guys oh, twenty-one yeah. to nothing, and then ended up losing forty-seven to forty-two, and completed a pass down inside the five-yard line on the final play. Yeah, that's right. You know, the eighty-nine season was Bill Lewis' first year, and um, we also have uh, had Mark Rick as offense coordinator. So the Pirates was really coming together towards the end of that year, and um, that was that was a special year for us. Um, There's a handful of games that we could have won and should have won. And that got the Pirates ready for the early 90s on. So um, Bill Lewis was a big part of uh, building the Pirates. I don't know if you guys really uh, – he wasn't there long, but um, he he helped put us on the map. Um, the 89 season, of course, I got hurt my senior year, um, halfway during the season, down in um, – against the University of Miami. Um, it was – that was my last game down there. It's, it's ironic. The very first game I started for East Carolina was on Thanksgiving night down in Miami against the University of Miami. That's when they had uh, Michael Irvin, um, Brian and Benny Blades. Um, those guys were stacked. And I ended my career in Miami playing against the Hurricanes. Wow. So, uh, so as, you, as you can see, I really don't like the Hurricanes that much. Well, I guess you like the, uh, the 96 game and the Orange Bowl. And, of course, I call it the Floyd Bowl. And, and Raleigh when we put it to him. Absolutely. That was good to see, guys. We need to see more of that. I think we will. I'm hoping that we can see, you know, like we were talking about the schedule, and I'm a scheduling nerd, but, uh, Willie, I would like to see um, – I know that it's tough for coaches and all, but I would like to see some of those uh, former rivals we had with uh, 
the likes of like we're talking about Syracuse, uh, Syracuse, of course, we have temples in our conference, but some of the um, old staples we had on the schedule, I'd love to see them. For, uh, I don't necessarily think they have to be every year, but put uh, sprinkled in there will be awesome. Yeah, that, that'd be great. And of course, playing at East Carolina, we like to see more North Carolina schools on our schedule. I mean, it is, it's really good to beat up on those guys. Um, that we, we get a lot of wins against those North Carolina schools. Even Wake Forest put them on the schedule. Of course, North Carolina and State. We like to see all those guys. Um, and, you know, Virginia Tech, East Carolina beat up on Virginia Tech early on. Um, the difference, I think, between East Carolina and Virginia Tech is that one coach stayed there until he had it figured out. He didn't leave until he retired. And unfortunately, East Carolina, we have a few coaches that get there and they have success, and then they move on. But um, Virginia Tech, they were able to keep that coach, keep that that nucleus there, and they built on it. And that's what we have to do there at ECU. I think we have a guy that potentially could do that, but we all know how the business works. And uh, I hope that he will be here. I, I just hope he'll be around for for a long, long time. Right now, the most important part, Willie, I want to ask you about is uh, certainly with COVID-19, do you think we'll have a season? I asked you that before the show. I, I gave you a heads up, but do you think we're going to be uh, playing this year? Is it going to be fall, spring? I mean, I know uh, earlier, Bubba, you sent me the text with the Patriot League. They've canceled all full fall sports there, uh, Willie, and you probably saw that. And there's different, uh, the Ivy League did, what, a week or so ago, and uh, no fall sports. So, it's uh, it's going to be really, really weird if we have no fairs or festivals because those are big in the fall, and we have no football. The three Fs. <laughs> well, the twenty twenty has been uh, hasn't been kind to us at all. Um, we could very well see a season where there's no football in the fall. It's going to be hard to do that with fans in the stands right now because COVID nineteen. Um, it's, it's taking a toll on us. Um, it's hit my family personally. Um, I've actually um, lost my mother and my uncle um, oh, just yeah. two weeks ago um, oh, due to COVID-19. So um, it, it's been tough on us. So And to put fans in the stadium right now when we're starting to see a spike in a lot of parts of the country, um, it's probably not the best thing to do. And, you know, I was telling you, Willie, uh, being – I'm selfish to think that it'll be great to have the obviously football in the fall because it's what we've always done as long as we've known. But are we better off when uh, John Gilbert announced our athletic director recently? There's only going to be there's no single game season ticket uh, single game tickets. There's only season tickets. And like Bubba and I said, hey, if it's only 25 percent, he pointed out it's less than 13,000. I was telling you that's worse than we're having with under Coach Mo or anytime we have a losing season. Can we really afford to have a season where we're only allowed to have 13,000? That's only 13,000 people that are paying for tickets, 13,000 paying for concessions and beer now and wine and, and, uh, food and all that and merchandise, the merch. So uh, are we better off playing in the fall or are we better off playing in the spring when we can have, maybe we could have 50, uh, 50% or closer to a full capacity? Yeah, you know, right now it's a catch-22 because um, the universities um, make a lot of money off football. Uh, mm-hmm. Football really drives the economics within a university as well as a city or a state. 
That's why some of the mayors and governors right now are having a tough time because they're trying to open up the city because to bring that those dollars back into the city, into the state um, with uh, being um, isolated, social distancing. Um, there's no money coming in. Everybody's staying home. There may be some online shopping, but um, to not have football and not have that, not have that revenue is going to be a big hurt on the universities right now. So I can see why um, the the politicians and everyone's trying to push to open things back up, but um, it could be a, a detriment to, to us, of us all if we do. And Willie, another thing, uh, we need to open up the schools. Bubba hasn't worked since March, so I want to put him back to work. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm totally, I'm, jo- I'm joking. I'm teasing you, Bubba. Bubba is one of the hardest working people. He and I have more side hustles than, uh, if we could put all our side hustles together and form a business, we would be uh, really rich here, Willie. But one day we'll get it together. I'm, I'm totally joking with you. Yeah, I've done a lot behind the scenes. Cruise. Bubba, you yeah. get used to working from home? I'm sorry, say it again, Willie. Are you getting used to working from home? Pretty much. Yeah. Did that. Uh, we actually started school a little bit earlier this year. Um, we were a couple weeks ahead of everybody or most, not everybody, but most people in the state of North Carolina. So um, the final day of school for us was as teachers that last week of May. But then uh, during the summer, I have a couple jobs, like Dave said. Um, uh, I do the PA system, live stats for a collegiate summer baseball league, and then also do some other stuff. But, right. but yeah, definitely getting used to working virtually. So we'll we'll see. Hopefully, we'll be back face to face with the kids here in about the next month or so. And you just mentioned something, Bubba. That's the key right now. Um, you're not able to see the kids. You're not able to mentor those kids, and the kids really need that leadership. Um, someone that can show them right from wrong or show them actually how to be a, a good person, how to be a leader in the community. Um, that's one of the key things that we are missing. Before we talk about your time after East Carolina, I wanted to go back to your career. Um, just you had the opportunity to play in some tremendous venues and you, you mentioned Penn State, Auburn. So maybe talk about uh, some of those experiences, and then also, do you have a favorite game, or whether it was that '87 NC State game, or another game or two, uh, maybe where you had a good game, or the Pirates just won? Uh, what are some things that stand out about your your five years in the Pirate program? Yeah, the, the venues, Penn State, of course, was was full to the to the, to the gills. It was packed. Um, Florida State um, was always a good venue. But I can tell you the absolutely loudest fans, I think, um, is South Carolina. South Carolina fans are loud and they are rowdy and they are not polite at all. But (laughs) South Carolina fans are something. Now, North Carolina State, you mentioned that state game. Um, Myself and Reggie, we're um, in and out of the the game a lot and – it just so I can remember this play like it was um, yesterday. We had a pitch uh, to the left. We were probably on the 10-yard line, and I ran in for a touchdown. And uh, the East Carolina crowd fans just went wild. I mean, that was a great game to be a part of. Um, yes, they the scoreboard was, was torn, torn down, but it wasn't our fans from what I hear. Um, that was good to know. But uh, just the fans and the people there um, at that game was fantastic to see. 
And you know, Reggie, um, Reggie, let's say Willie, I was going to say Reggie talked about that very thing about the game that, that, um, with you guys and about how, <laughs> hey, Bella, I remember one of my favorite parts of that interview. He was talking about after that game, how, uh, Coach Baker t- tried to get you guys to go back out. He said, look, we've already done our job. We're saying, so can you talk about that? Yeah, we, we won the game, but, uh, they want us to go calm the crowd down a little bit, but, uh, uh, really they haven't won any parts of that. So we, we did what we were supposed to do on the field. Yeah, I was a little surprised to, to hear, uh, Reggie say that. Yes, it, it, some of those, like you said, a bunch of them weren't East Carolina students or supporters. Yeah. Uh, they were, they were, they were just looking forward to take advantage of the situation, but, uh, the ones that were our fans, hey, you know, most of the time, uh, you're getting the players the, the heck out of the way. I mean, to, to yeah, you don't take care of the players. I mean, you, it's not the players' jobs to police the fans. Yeah, after that game, man, we heard up to the locker room because it got rowdy quick. I mean, as a matter of fact, um, where I worked, one of the guys uh, that worked with me was at that game. And he was one of the guys that was tearing up the goalposts. <laughs> so uh, we talk about that quite a bit. You know, Willie, that very fact of the, the pirates, uh, the fans and, uh, I'll, I'll never forget. I actually, um, that particular game, I remember where I was. I was vacationing. Uh, that was Labor Day weekend of 87. I was vacationing at, um, Oceana Resort in Atlantic Beach. And I remember seeing all the television and I couldn't believe they were showing, um, you know, like the highlights of the game or whatever. And like, I remember later when they were talking about calling it a riot, I was like, how was that a riot? Um, we did win the, we did win the game. We won the game. And then it was, it's still hard to believe that, like you said, um, any excuse that, uh, we do have Wake Forest back on the schedule. We have state on the schedule. Uh, we don't have Duke or North Carolina. Um, so I'm going to call both those schools out. Um, and we do have Appalachian state and Charlotte. We do have uh, most of the teams except for Duke and it's Duke and North Carolina, right, Bubba? That's the only ones I know of. They're not, uh, state school, state, right. University yeah. North Carolina. We have, uh, we have three games on our current deal with NC State, two of those in Greenville, and then a home and home with Wake Forest. I think that's 26 and 27. Yeah, that's they came back on. Right. That's great. And we'll love to get Duke and NC back on, but, uh, to have state, Wake Forest, that's great. We need North Carolina schools on our schedule. So, Dave, if, um, I wanted to ask Willie, um, Willie, you, know, you, you obviously played your final season with the Pirates back in 1989. So bring Pirate Nation up to speed. Give us the Cliff Notes version of, uh, what you've had going on in your life over these last several years. I'll tell you, um, one thing what I love about East Carolina, not only did it give me an opportunity to play on the football field, but it gave me a good education as well. So when I got hurt, so the aspirations of playing in the league was gone. Um, but, I had my degree. I had several job offers when I graduated. Wow. So it, it, um, it gave me an opportunity to go to work in the transportation logistics field. And I've been doing that ever since. So I'm currently vice president for a company here in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, been doing this for quite some time. And I tell you, if it hadn't have been for East Carolina, the opportunity that they gave me in this, in the classroom, you know, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. But also have to say, if um, if I made it to the league, my world would be different. I never would have met my lovely wife, Lisa, and I'll have my two girls, Jasmine and Whitney. So things happen for the right reason for me. 
Willie, I, uh, speaking of Jacksonville, what an underrated city. I, I was there. Uh, one of my best friends, his uh, parents lived there at the time, a spring break of 95, my senior year, and uh, got a chance to visit Jacksonville a little bit. And uh, it's it's a lot bigger than what people realize. Uh, it is. You know what? It's actually the largest city in the United States area-wise. So as far as area, it is the largest city in the United States. And um, we have over a million people people here. So it's a really nice city. It's right on the water. Um, you can get to Orlando or you can get into Georgia, whatever you need to do. But Jacksonville is a nice place to be. Being, I, being I, in Jacksonville. Sorry, go ahead, Dave. I was just going to add, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, St. Augustine's right not too far. Wow. Uh, that's a beautiful, beautiful city. Yeah, actually, um, St. Augustine is the first date I had with my uh, girlfriend at the time, my current wife. So I wanted to impress her, so I took her to St. Augustine. So okay. you're absolutely right. Wow. Now, Willie, um, with your years spent in Jacksonville, uh, had, did you get the opportunity back when David Garrard was still playing? Did you have a chance to see David play with the Jags, and have you ever crossed paths with him and gotten to know him at all? Absolutely. Um, season ticket holder with the Jaguars for a long time. And David Garrard was um, one of the reasons for that. I didn't, didn't get a chance to know him personally, but we did meet on some um, um, interview, um, autograph signing situations, and we talked about the Pirates. Um, so it was really good to see David Garrard there. Uh, but talking about quarterbacks, I, I cannot go without mentioning Jeff Blake. Um, Jeff Blake was uh, probably a freshman my junior, senior year coming up, and Jeff ended up being a very good friend of mine. He's from Sanford, Florida as well, but Jeff did a lot for the East Carolina Pirates getting that school on the map. I remember that the the 1989 game that I referenced up at Pittsburgh. I want to say that day, I'm pretty sure Travis played, but then I don't know if he got injured or what, but I remember Jeff Blake coming in that game. Absolutely, you're right. That's when you knew we had something special there. And um, Travis Hunter, again, um, Travis was definitely underrated as a quarterback. The guy was a great runner, a good passer. But Jeff came in, and it took us to another level. I know we've had other people talk about in the past, but how about his deep ball? And and, and Gerard's, but his deep ball for Jeff Blake is uh, unbelievable, seeing how, how far he can throw the ball. And just uh, Bubba talked about it, too. It's a beautiful spiral. He's the quarterback. I'm not. I'm the guy for the stands looking at it going way up in the air, but it's a beautiful ball. Yeah, it really is. And it um, actually transitioned into the pros as well. So he's known for that deep ball. So yeah. um, Jeff's a, a great pirate. Yeah, Shake and Blake, um, Jeff Blake, Jeff Blake to Carl Pickens and Darnay Scott with the Cincinnati Bengals. He was the, there for a short time with that 95 season, uh, right after that 95 season. He reaped the benefits of that. He was the highest paid player in the NFL for a short time period, I'm pretty sure. So that was something a lot of people probably don't even realize. That's correct. And the East Carolina product. I tell you, uh, we're talking about guys in the pros. One of my favorite games was when the Cowboys was playing the Green Bay Packers, I think around 95, 96, when you had Vincent Smith, Robert Jones, uh, you had George Kuntz with the Packers, and you had John Jett. Uh, with the Cowboys, I mean, the East Carolina Pirates is definitely represented in the NFL. No question about it. Hopefully we can uh, 
have the talent that we're, I think, in my opinion, the talent we're recruiting now and with the coach, with the coaches we have now, if we can keep that coaching staff intact and coach them up, uh, there's going to be a lot more players that are going to the NFL than we've uh, seen in, in, a, in a while. And, um, I, I really, I'm excited about Willie. Uh, hopefully we can get uh, the season. If, if it's the fall of this year or spring of next year, you know, it gives a new meaning to spring football, right? We're going to have spring football, but, um, I want to ask you your opinion about before we let you go too. one more thing. Um, and then we'll let you go. Uh, your thoughts on how, how in the world as a former college football player, can you play potentially eight games in the early part of 21 and then turn right back around and have 12 games? If you, if you started in September, it just seems like it's a, it seems like I know that in the calendar when people look at it, but they, I don't think they realize the, all the stuff that you guys have to do just to prepare for a season and your bodies and everything. I'm just worried about the, if you want my honest opinion, I'm worried about the number of injuries in 21. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, a lot of people don't realize we, we use that off season to recoup, get our bodies back um, and, and play in shape because you, you take a beating throughout that year. Um, you're not pay, playing cream puff teams. You're playing <laughs> notch teams where it's smash mouth every single game. So your body really takes a beating, and um, it's going to be hard to do that turnaround without letting your body heal. Um, you really need that off time to make that happen. I mean, there's not really off time anyway, but I would imagine that having, uh, in other words, uh, that the pros don't even play 20 games uh, as far as a regular season. So I can't imagine, um, I can't imagine for the the college guys to do that. Willie, uh, it's been an honor to have you on. You're fantastic. I appreciate all that you're doing for Jacksonville. You're making me proud to be a pirate and I'm just, I'm ready for football season whenever we can uh, have it. And I hope that we get a chance, Bubba and I, and uh, you'll get a chance to meet. You didn't get the chance to meet the crazy one. Kyle is normally on with us, but um, we'll save that for in person. You'll meet him in person, hopefully in the, whenever we play football, we'd love to meet you. Absolutely. I catch Kyle on the next one, but Dave and Bubba, I really appreciate you guys um, inviting me to come on. It's always a, a great opportunity to talk about the East Carolina Pirates and our football team. I tell you what, uh, we are um, a top-notch program, and anyone, not only athletes, but student athletes, get an opportunity to go to East Carolina, um, you have to go. It's a great experience. No doubt about it. I couldn't say it any better myself. Thank you so much, and uh Look forward to seeing you football season. Love to have you back on on the show sometime soon. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. No doubt. Thank you, Willie. Appreciate you. Have a good one. All right. You too. Willie Smith, of course, uh, one of the best. I tell you what, Bubba, he is fantastic, A number one, class act. I really loved having him on and uh, certainly love to have him on. Maybe the uh, if we ever have a football season, we have him on Pirate Football Playback. I loved his insight on the Pirates, and certainly he can give us insight from his days and certainly uh, with uh, current players too. I think that, you know, I told you, Bubba, um, having the former players like him that are real winners come back and talk to the team, I think that would be huge for Mike Houston to get the to what it is to be really a, uh, put on that purple and gold uniform and be a Pirate. Absolutely. Really enjoyed having Willie on the show. Um, very well-spoken guy and uh, excellent representative of East Carolina University and obviously our football program. So like you're saying, that's something I was going to chime in with. Uh, uh, Willie, I know you're still tuned in. So uh, definitely 
uh, make plans to join us whenever football is played on our pirate football playback. We'll, we'll uh, break break down the game a little bit and uh, hopefully be talking about a pirate victory. No doubt about it. And uh, I know we've got special programming coming up tonight at six o'clock. We'll do another 50 pirates in 50 days. And of course, by the way, folks, if you uh, don't uh, catch these on certainly on Facebook or live on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, they're archived. And same with Facebook. You can also, uh, we have it on SoundCloud and Anchor as well. So uh, you can actually get the podcast of these where if you're maybe exercising, people like Bubba, they're running up and down, um, <laughs> running up and down the, the street, or maybe you're you're jogging or working out. We have people that exercise. We have people that are um, like me that are actually listening to podcasts, cleaning, the, working out in the yard, wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, then we'll have that available again on SoundCloud and on Anchor, right, Bubba? Right, and uh, you mentioned David Blackwell. Of course, Coach Blackwell came to East Carolina back in 1989. He he played for Bill Lewis, uh, played, I guess, a little over two seasons, and then unfortunately had a career-ending injury, then became a student assistant coach, then a GA, and and then he went on to – he's gone on to an excellent career. Unfortunately, just had that 2018 season back with us as defensive coordinator. Just the timing wasn't right from the standpoint of him being able to uh, – be a pirate for several years, unfortunately, but he did an excellent job. The defense up until those final couple games of the year where the wheels came off and was showing a lot of improvement. Of course, uh, Nate Hardy with everything that he did and just a tremendous year and player of the year on the defensive side of the ball in the AAC that season. But look forward to catching up with Coach Blackwell, who is actually down at La Tech as first year defensive coordinator under former East Carolina head coach Skip Holtz. And uh, in addition to that, tomorrow night we'll be talking with Curtis Thiemann from uh, Port City Films, an East Carolina alum who, of course, has produced, he and his company, Jonathan Medford, and some other pirates have put together a tremendous entrance video for the last couple of years. Hopefully we'll have an opportunity to see that in 2020. And then also the first part of that hour, Rachel Barbeau from Sirius XM. It's going to be great. Two great guests and uh, certainly uh... – I gave Bubba the day off for booking. I booked the show on that one. He always books the show. And uh, two people that I wanted to have on and uh, certainly that mean a lot to the show. And uh, for the Curtis Thiemann, for example, he means a lot to East Carolina, what he's doing down in Wilmington and uh, Wilmywood, uh, people say, or uh, certainly the Port City uh, for sure. And um, Bubba, I want to thank you for all your hard work on this project, uh, folks. Uh, 50 Pirates in 50 Days, maybe um there's former players you're watching right now. You can hit us up on Facebook or certainly uh, on Twitter. Um, and also you can email the show. Uh, it's uh, thesportsobj at gmail.com, thesportsobj at gmail.com. You can email us. and uh, Or maybe there's some fans that they have certain players they want or coaches. Um, Bubba, we'd love to, to hear their feedback. Yeah, Um Greg Gardil, who played defensive line for the Pirates in that 91 season, a former wow. teammate of Willie Lewis. Uh, you'll hear from him um, later on this week. And then also Jordan Davis, who was an offensive lineman, came in under Skip Holtz in that regime uh, and, and had, I guess, three excellent years on the offensive line uh, with Shane Carden and, uh, and company under Ruffin McNeil's guidance. So I um, look forward to catching up with Greg Gardil, Jordan Davis. And then also on Friday, um, you'll hear from uh, 
9 a.m. Trent Tigner, um, former pirate specialist, uh, um, punter un- under the Ruffin McNeil regime. It's going to be great, folks. And on Friday, we're recording an interview. It'll be out sometime Friday or certainly this weekend with Phil Steele. We'll find out from him. Thank you, Bubba. Great get as always from you. Uh, Phil Steele will be joining us and we'll find out about his publication. I'm interested to find about that. I know that Bubba and Kyle, um, they fight over who's the first one to buy a Phil Steele magazine. Uh, I buy them. I don't buy them as fast as they do, but I tell you one thing. I, it's weird not to have those on, uh, certainly on the newsstands right now. Uh, but we'll talk to him about that. We'll talk to him about COVID. We'll talk to him about, uh, football and get his expert opinion on what he thinks is going to happen. Um, if anybody's guess, it's a huge question mark, uh, right now. Bubba, before we go, um, I know we got a couple minutes here. Uh, do you, uh, are you hearing any more thing more? It looks like, um, things are more and more pushing things back, uh, to potentially, uh, 21. Do you think it's going to be January before we start the season or February? I don't know. I'm, uh, what I'm hoping for right now is the conference only schedule where we'd play eight games. Um, never did I think an eight game schedule would look so good. <laughs> yeah. And you, like you said, if we could, if we could go 500 in the, ske- in the schedule and win four games, like we were talking about the bowl situation, if you have bowls and what if you, um, so in other words, if you had eight games, if you win four out of those eight, then, you know, maybe you go to a bowl that, so if we uh, go 500 in the conference and then I, I think you still have to have the bowls. I don't know how um, logistically, but I think you have to have those bowls because that's a lot of dollars. Speaking of a lot of dollars, that's a lot of dollars um, for the, the, that's why everybody wants to have a bowl is people are coming to different places. I realize the uh, COVID situation and all that, but I'm hoping that uh, we can definitely have the bowl season. We'll see how that, that plays out. We may not. Maybe those are pushed back. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? But obviously, we'll be talking to David Blackwell about that and a lot of great things uh, this evening at six o'clock. I appreciate you, Bubba, very much. Thank you, Willie Lewis. Uh, another there's Bubba. That's what's so great about doing this show is that we get a chance to meet a lot of former pirates. I know that uh, you were um, a kid, so you obviously remember all these guys and and the ladies we have on. It's such a great honor to have uh, folks on and to have them and appreciate them reminiscing and uh, taking the time to come on. And uh, I look forward to David Blackwell tonight. Got you on mute here, Bob, if you. There we go. My my laptop was dying. So, okay. But, uh, but yeah, I look forward to hearing from all those guys that we mentioned, like, like you said, Coach Blackwell will join us tonight at six. So, um, very interesting to, or will be very interesting, I should say, to hear his perspective. That last question we asked Willie Lewis as far as the possibility of playing 23 games or something ridiculous in, I guess, what, uh, oh, maybe 10 months or so. I, mean, I just don't know how practical that is but then at the same time hey Lincoln Riley at uh, Oklahoma who uh, obviously has been doing this for I guess all 15 years or so now he's he's certainly not uh, promoting it I mean from the standpoint of instead of the fall but uh, he acted like it was very feasible so it'd be interesting to hear somebody else's thoughts at that FBS level. One final question for you, Bubba. I just came to mind. I wasn't planning on asking you, and then we'll get out of here. Um, and then in a few hours, we'll have 
uh, less than four hours away now from David Blackwell. But I uh, wanted to ask you as far as do you think that they'll allow more players? Uh, I know we not necessarily scholarships, but maybe some more walk-ons uh, so that that way if there is a, a potential of uh, more injuries that you would have more players that are allowed to be on the team? Yeah, I don't know. Um, it would certainly be something to keep an eye on, to kind of like what happened with baseball. Obviously, different situation as far as them missing a season. And But, yeah, that would be something to keep an eye on, be a good question for Coach Blackwell, um, whether he thinks anything would be adjusted as far as roster size and so forth. All right, guys, thank you so much for ladies for watching uh, this great, great show with Willie Lewis again. Uh, catch it on Spotify or not Spotify on uh, certainly on SoundCloud and Anchor as we actually have the shows uh, we'll put out as a podcast. These are always archived on Facebook and also on YouTube as well on the YouTube channel and uh, certainly on our Facebook page. All right. So for Bubba Rosenbaum, Willie Lewis, I'm Dave Richmond. Thanks for watching 50 Pirates in 50 Days. Go Pirates. You've been listening to 50 Pirates in 50 Days on the Sports Objective Podcast. Remember, each of these interviews can be seen on our Facebook and YouTube channels, or the audio only can be heard exclusively on SoundCloud and Anchor. Wherever you watch and listen to the show, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe. As always, we appreciate you listening to the Sports Objective Podcast. Go Pirates.